welcome to the Pelvic Health Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Forner, a physiotherapist working in pelvic health, as well as a new student researcher on the fun, long road to a PhD, where we will be looking at pelvic floor problems and exercise. I'm here to bring you information from leading professionals on all aspects surrounding pelvic health for any gender and any age, from the vast range of pelvic floor problems to exercise and sport. Remember our disclaimer, materials and content in this podcast are intended as general information only and should not be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Pelvic Health Podcast. Today we are talking all about masturbation. So we have with us Jody Dunn, who is a sexologist, counselor, coach, and educator that specializes in sex counseling and education and rehabilitation. Her mission is to empower clients living with health challenges to improve health literacy and sexual quality of life. Jodi uses client-centered, sex-positive, and educational approaches to address sexual function concerns. She helps people find peace, redefine pleasure, and rediscover play, intimacy, and connection in life with a chronic condition. Jody has been a health advocate for chronic conditions for more than five years and has worked in rehabilitation and training over the last 20 years. Jody is a volunteer with Quendo, which is Q-E-N-D-O, which is the Queensland um, Endometriosis Society, uh, the Endometriosis Association, Queensland Incorporated, the Lupus Foundation in Australia, and local breast cancer survivor groups. Jody has a Bachelor of Health Science and postgraduate qualifications in psychology, human resources, and sexology. Now, her company name is, oh, I hope I don't say it wrong now, Kintsugi Sexual Counseling and Education, um, and she offers classes and workshops for individuals and couples seeking sexual enrichment in recovery, as well as educational programs to provide healthcare providers with tools to support the sexual challenges their clients face. So, this is a really fun one, and not just for health professionals, this is for any woman and man. We do talk a lot about um, female sexuality and masturbation in females more than males, but she does touch a little bit on males. So, please share this, pass this to your friends, and I hope you guys enjoy. All right, thank you, Jody, for coming on the podcast today. I'm so excited to have you. So, Today we're going to talk about masturbation, and as we were talking just before, the reason that what sparked me to want to do a podcast about this topic is that I see a lot of patients who have pelvic pain or pain with intercourse, and I think an important part of their pathway in getting back to an activity where somebody else is touching their genitals, which are painful, I think an important part is them being able to touch themselves in a non-threatening way. But I think I talk a lot on this podcast about scope of practice, and that as much as health professionals, we, we like to learn, you know, we have our role and everything that we know, and then we there's always little bits of extra pieces that we learn about, and we help we can give information to our clients, but we are always referring on to other health professionals such as yourself. Mm-hmm. So, in this realm of self touch and masturbation, I know a little bit, a really teeny tiny bit, and I thought, okay, I really need to talk to somebody who knows way more about this topic, so that we can um, give some good information to other health professionals, but also the general public. So 
With now, do you say masturbation or self-touch? Oh, whatever the person's most comfortable with. I say masturbation, but if um, a person's squirming in their seat when I'm using that word, I'll use a word that is more comfortable for them. That's that's not an issue. All right. So why is this important? If we just start right at the beginning, why should we be encouraging people to masturbate? Masturbation is a normal and enjoyable and healthy practice, and it. but historically it's been frowned upon. Um, and most people do even if they say they don't a lot you'll find that the majority of people do self-touch or masturbate in some way shape or form it's more common in men than it is in women but um and and that's been shown through research a lot of the research that's done is self-reporting so that could also be um tainted by shame around the idea of masturbation and people not wanting to be honest with what they're doing or actually doing um so generally masturbation can be good to help you sleep, to relax, um, being more comfortable with your body. It can also be a really good health screening tool, especially for women. We get told to examine our breasts every month to do, try and um, do increase early diagnosis of breast cancer. The same goes for vulva cancers or other gynecologists simple gynecological, well, not simple, other gynecological conditions. Um, if we know what our, what is normal for our body, we can be aware of any changes that are happening. So you can think of uh, masturbation or self-touch as, one, as a relaxation tool and, two, as an early screening tool um, because gynecological cancers are notoriously picked up late compared to breast cancer. Breast cancer is diagnosed early, and that's got a lot to do with um, people examining their breasts. The same goes for examining your vulva, your clitoris, um, and even even knowing what discharge is normal or, or what sensations are normal for you um, and skin tone and, and things like that. Um, being aware of those changes can be an early diagnosis tool for things that aren't typically, are typically picked up later in the piece. So that's using a mirror then if you're going to have a look? Even, yeah, looking and even just the feel under your fingers. If you're not comfortable looking, how if you notice that there's a lump that wasn't there before, that's something that you shouldn't ignore because it, it, could, be, it could be something benign or it could be something more serious, the beginning of something more serious. And if we don't know what it feels like or if you have something that hurts that you're not sure what it is, you can have a look or you can get your doctor to have a look, but it's it's an, a way of knowing what's normal for you, what feels normal for you, what looks normal for you, as well as relaxing. So so how did this become, I mean, I not not specifically the origin and kind of what year, it, <laughs> this all kind of went down the pathway of not being something that women or females should do so even if we just take males out of it does it have to do with religious practices like where along the lines did it kind of start to be like nope you should not be doing that it's got to do with religion and cultural influences that tell us that it's wrong or that it's a sin the bible doesn't actually refer to masturbation um not that i'm a big bible reader but from all the literature that i've read it doesn't. Uh, the Bible doesn't actually use the word masturbation and don't do it. It makes analogies or metaphors around it. Around, I think it was um, World War One-ish time. 
it was um, for, sorry, I'll refer back to, I'm going to refer to both male and female. Um, for males, it was it, masturbation was seen as being as bad for young boys as stealing. So it was, it was also seen not, it was also seen bad for boys. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was okay for boys and not well, for girls. No, no, no. That's why, that's why all those myths about, um, it'll make your hands, like if you get hairy palms or, or oh, I've never heard that. And all those sorts of things were around, but for girls, it was never really mentioned around that time. So I guess that's where the stigma comes from where it, for boys, it was bad, but it was something that boys did for girls. It was something that didn't even get mentioned because, mm. The gentle flowers that we are, we don't do that sort of thing. We're we're prim and proper. Um, so that shame and guilt of not talking about it or not um, not acknowledging that it even exists uh, has sort of not only from a religious perspective, but from that change in cultural perspective through time. I mean, it hasn't always been like that in history. There are some references in French and oh like way back when that self-pleasure and sexuality weren't as closed. I mean, one of my favourite artists is Gustav Klimt and a lot of his new drawings are around females masturbating. So it hasn't always been that way, but I guess for the broader general public, I guess those key points are like World War One-ish time was boys, it's bad, girls, we don't even go there. And the shame and the guilt associated with it is just perpetuated over time. We, we still have that now, even though we seem to be changing our mindset around sex, women's health, sexuality, pleasure and um, masturbation as well. So you mentioned that it's something that a lot of people do, even if maybe they're not aware of it. Is this... Um I know I've got a boy and a girl, so my girl is seven and my boy is nine, and watching them both grow up as babies, um, it's been interesting not just to see kind of their curiosity with their own bodies, but how I react to their curiosity with their own bodies, Mm -hmm. and I think I was telling you in a phone conversation that, you know, you're so, you, you hear all the stories, and to me it was so normal, and when my boy would, you know be like just strange weird things that boys do with their penises and they want to show you and you're like oh my goodness and you kind of laugh it off Um, whereas with my daughter she would do you know similar things or she was just being curious with her body and I had that moment of oh my god don't do that what are you doing like please stop and then I went oh well why is it different between boy and girl and is this where you know they're shame starts with self-touch so I've been really aware of trying to make sure that I I don't do that so is there like an age at least especially for women that you know they probably start to do these sort of things or that we just don't even know about I'm going to um, say a couple of points around that before I go down the age route Um, our attitudes and our values around sexuality are come through as parents and they come through even as health professionals and that's one of the things I work with health professionals on is how to um, be aware of what your what's going on in your head or or the biases and beliefs that you bring into your practice around sexuality um, and how you can be aware of those and how they impact your practice um, and communication techniques for breaking down that taboo around um, sexuality, but with as parents, it's really hard to be aware of that you're doing that because you you're just going through 
your day and your automatic reaction is and you've got 10 other things going on over here and another child here and and it's just an innate reaction and and we we still are from that generation where we didn't talk about it quite so much things were changing feminism had started and all those sorts of things but it was still still something that we didn't talk about and it's great that you can identify that you're going oh I'm I'm operating differently with my son as compared to my daughter and how do I stop that or how do I change that children as um as young as 18 months old or even younger explore their bodies for pleasure it's it's a part of getting to know who you are and for them to be self-aware um how they feel about their little bodies as they're growing up is influenced by what we say to them many people still see masturbation as a taboo or as harmful when um and and they they give that message to their children as children they grow and learn about their bodies through pleasure through movement those things form their body image and how they feel about sex and it's important for parents to not perpetrate that message of shame or or guilt around self pleasure or or knowing their own bodies but at the same time let them know that what they're doing is normal and what they're doing is okay but it's something that is done in private it's not something they do at the dinner table or it's not something they do when grandma's around but it's okay to do it by themselves or um in private if it feels good for them and part um, of that is age too right like i remember my three-year-old lying down on a foam roller in the gym and wriggling yep. and i'm like oh i know what you're doing i'm like okay not appropriate place but they don't do it to orgasm or ejaculation they just do it because it feels good giving them the, the messages that it's okay but it's something you do in private gives them uh, helps them learn about consent because consent isn't just about yes I give you consent to touch me it consent is I'm talking about this topic in a public place but those people over there who I don't know haven't consented mm-hmm. to it so by by understanding that there are some things that we do for pleasure that are in private we are acknowledging the consent of others or, or maintaining the consent of others around us and that it's important for kids to understand that both sides of consent but it also gives them an ownership of themselves so they know what feels good for them they know what is right for them and they know from a consent perspective they own their bodies and they can say no um i'm i'm actually first so because i don't have any older kids that just blew my mind that okay so yes they don't do that in order to have an orgasm because they didn't even know that that is going to maybe happen one day Oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, no. they don't know. They don't know what's to come if it ever does. No. <laughs> no. And so we don't want to stifle that exploration of pleasure because, because that, that's where the, the, um, that, that sort of shame block or that guilt block that stops so many people from, or particularly women from reaching orgasm or, or not knowing their bodies and knowing that, uh, orgasm doesn't happen or, or, or real sex, and I'm doing that in, in inverted commas for a reason. Um, the idea of real sex or uh, is orgasm focused and penis in vagina penetration, when in fact the majority of women don't orgasm that way. We orgasm through masturbation style techniques or the stimulation of the clitoris. So no, they don't know what's coming. And by allowing or, or, or not continuing that taboo or that um, that shame around self-pleasure or masturbation we're teaching them 
to know their bodies so that they can communicate it to their partners in the future and enjoy a healthy, positive, open sex life. Hi, this is Sandy Hilton. And this is Sarah Haig. And we want to let you know about all the different education opportunities we have at Entropy Physiotherapy in Chicago. You can come here for a class. We have a lot to choose from this year. Or you could attend a a class we hosted last summer virtually called Better Information for Better Care Using Evidence to Inform Practice, a great course with Dr. Neil O'Connell and Dr. Stephen Camper on just how to read and interpret the evidence and apply it to your practice. And if you'd like more individual information, you could join our online mentoring group, which meets once a month. We already have international participation, and we would love to have anyone else join us. So if you'd like more information, you can go to www.entropy-physio.com and either sign up or send us a message with questions. So as an adult, mm-hmm. um, so say they, they grow up exploring themselves, they're comfortable with themselves. Um, I'm just trying to think of like timeline, but because I keep wanting to say, okay, as an adult, if we are to, like if... And again, I want to sort of focus on the women side of things, but mm-hmm. is the goal of masturbation orgasm no. when you're an adult? No. Okay. No, doesn't have to be. That whole idea that sex or masturbation is orgasm focused or goal orientated can get in the way of people enjoying the process. People masturbate for different reasons. You can masturbate to help you relax, to help you sleep, to release sexual tension, um, to know your body better. It doesn't to just experience pleasure. It doesn't have to be about having an orgasm. That can focusing on that and wondering why it's not happening and why it's not happening now or 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 in five minutes can make it even harder for you to get there in the end. Um, because you're inside your head and you're not just enjoying what's going on in your body. And the benefits that come um, from masturbation don't have to you, – you can still get the, some of those or majority of those or they all start before you reach orgasm. So research around um, sex and the brain shows that a lot of the feel-good hormones, so your oxytocins, your dopamines and, and things along those lines, those mood enhancers or those natural highs, start to kick in before you reach orgasm anyway. Mm. So it's that plateau phase or that stage before that you start to get all the good stuff, the benefits of that you, that you don't see that go on internal inside your body before you, before you reach orgasm. Yes, orgasm's fun. Yes, it's, it's um, something that people enjoy, but it doesn't have to be the focus. Now, I didn't, I didn't send you this question, but it just popped into my head. Yeah. Does anyone ever ask you, because I've had people say, well, I'm not sure if I've had an orgasm. How do I know if I've had an orgasm? That, that is tricky. Even brain scan studies of, orgas- of um, the brain during sex or, or masturbation, uh, some women think that they have orgasm when in their brain, according to their brain scans, they haven't. Some people have and they say that according to their brain scans have, but then they don't think that they have. It does come with some telltale signs, but even though Masters and Johnson came up with a list of criteria like the abdominal um, contractions and uterine contractions and sort of um, they can be verbal cues, they can be like shaking, 
various other things, they came up with this list of of um, signs of building to orgasm or orgasm, then not everybody ticks and flicks all of those. It's a matter of discussing with people how they experience pleasure when they're masturbating or, or when they're with a partner so that you can sort of help them identify cues or, or, or whether, whether they possibly have or not. I mean, they could describe something to me and I could go, yes, that's it. When in fact, if we were to stick them in a brain scanner, maybe they didn't. You can always, there are always strategies that you can try to um, change up sensations or in, uh, increase pleasure and, and, and things like that and see if it changes. And they might actually discover a whole other level or they might discover multiple orgasms or they might, because females are lucky like that. We are, our clitoris is the only um the only organ in the human body that is designed entirely for pleasure. And we have a similar amount of erectile tissue that you can't see because it's majority internal as what a male penis does, but we don't, uh, but it's there purely for pleasure and it has its own blood supply. So it, we can have multiple orgasms, whereas guys can't. It is, um, so. there was a really neat, oh, I can't remember, you you might remember, there's an Instagram account that I started following where someone in the States has been drawing the clitoris on yes, like chalk art. Yes. Do you remember what it's um, called? Um, I'll look it up. I have, I watched a video today where they, um, I think it was one of the ladies that's doing those actual clitorises around, around New York um, and, or, or around the States and she they were showing a picture of a clitoris to the general public and asking people to say, tell them what they thought it was. They, they were identifying everything from a banana peel through to um, uh, some kind of utensil when, in fact, it was a clitoris, uh, clitorosity. Oh, that's right. And, yeah, so, the, I mean, her artwork is beautiful as well and she's very yeah. kind of, she, oh, I'm assuming it's a woman, yes. um, but very cheeky and... Um, yes. Yeah, in really kind of, you know, some jokes and neat spaces. And yeah, I really, really liked it. So do we really need to reframe our idea about what masturbation and even sexual intercourse is about? Because, or is it just me who thinks that what we hear is that it really should end in orgasm? And we need to be reframing it as in it's something to do for pleasure and exploration rather than that end goal. I, well, I believe that it should be reframed because my ideas around it are that pleasure has health benefits, mental and physical health benefits, whether it ends in orgasm or not. Um, sex has uh, benefits for connection and intimacy in relationships, for pleasure, for health, for physical um, as well, whether or not it ends in orgasm. Yes, it would be nice if that happened every time, but... Uh, concentrating on that fact can actually make the make any issues that are there worse or drive a wedge between a couple in a relationship because she's not communicating with him and she's not interested in, and he doesn't know what he's done wrong or, or why he's not getting laid and experiencing the person that we're with and being connected with the person that we're with or being connected with our own bodies, then we... We might get there. Some people never do. It's then there's nothing wrong with that. Um, if it doesn't bother them, if they're happy experiencing pleasure in whatever form that takes for them, 
without orgasm and it's not distressing and it's not stressful, then that's okay. The problem that comes into play is when people have this message around sex and masturbation as something that's related to pornography or the porn idea of sex and, and that's the only idea of real sex or, or and that's inverted commas again as well. I'm not, I don't want to say anything bad against anybody else that's in my profession but there are a lot of sex coaches and things like that that do focus on orgasm and as as being the ultimate goal and if it is for you and that's not something that I can change your mind about or you're you um that that is a hard and fast rule for you then that's okay but there are it's not a magic wand wave it's it's a it's a process of being patient with yourself and caring for yourself and experiencing pleasure and learning how to um, be mindful around that is likely to get you there rather than going, okay, I'm going to follow X, Y, Z steps to get to orgasm and that's the way it's going to be and it's going to be exactly like um, the image that I have in my head that I see in a Hollywood movie or on a porn movie and when there is so much to be gained from just experiencing pleasure in the moment. Very well said. So if women are listening, which I don't doubt that there would be a lot of women listening who maybe haven't touched themselves or masturbated either in a long time or they do, but they're not really sure they know what they're doing. Or again, a lot of women, especially young women may have never done it before. Um, Mm -hmm. How can they start? What should they do? Okay, so there are a couple of ways you can approach that. Um, If someone's never touched themselves before and they're really uncomfortable with the idea, you can start with something as simple as what I call mindful self-touch. And it it can start with something as simple as, and it's almost like a form of meditation. You find a quiet place, relax. And um, you, you can play music if you want to. I know that meditation and I don't go well together, so having some music that I find relaxing in the background helps me, gives me something to focus on and helps me be mindful in the moment as opposed to just total silence. But that's entirely up to you. I've had people who have found using a blindfold takes the means that they don't have to concentrate on keeping their eyes closed and they but that that's entirely up to you. But you can start with something as simple as um touching your fingertips together and really lightly and how does that feel and being mindful of your breath at the same time and noticing what happens in, in your body when you do that and then you can, can progress to touching your hands um, together really gently and onto your forearms and, and, and so on and so on and just being really mindful of the um, of, ha- of how that feels. I mean, you could do that in the bath without um, being too too rigid around how you set yourself up. You could do that when you're washing yourself and be be very aware of how your body's feeling and, and give yourself the time and the space to do that. And then you can com- progress that on to include touching like the tops of your thighs through to and then going to your outer labia so that um, outer lips in your vulva area. And then um, if you're ready, you can go to um, touching your clitoris. And a really good thing to do in that sort of time is to um, include a mirror if you are comfortable doing that so that you can see what happens or what your body looks like and what happens as you get aroused and if there are any changes. Not everybody is comfortable with that and you don't have to do that straight away. It's something you can work up to. Again, referring back to that 
uh, early health diagnosis or that early intervention, if there are any changes in those sorts of areas in your body, you can um, get that addressed if you're aware of it. So that mindful self-touch can progress into genital um, self-touch. But you just start with the rest of your body first. You can start with your hands, your forearms. Um, it's amazing how much pleasure can be generated from your feet and your hands and your arms because we don't massage those things very often. We don't, they're our workhorses. So when we stop and get a hand massage or we massage our feet, that feels really good. And that, that can um, start the process of arousal. And arousal, you can't forget your brain. Your brain is your largest sex organ in your body. Uh, if you are finding it hard to get aroused or interested in masturbation, you can you can use visual aids, you can use uh, read erotic stories, anything like that. And that can actually help and 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 bring that self touch into into that process if that's what works for you. Um, and then then there's a whole host of techniques. Um, that have been shown to be popular in masturbation for a clitoral stimulation. Another thing that you can use uh, uh, that is that I recommend every woman use is a good quality lubricant. Any um, favourites? I like Yes Organics. It's um, came from the UK, developed by women for women, um, and uh, organic product. We haven't got to the point where we have it available on our PBS yet, but in the UK it's available on their NHS. And, um, yeah, for post, like, breast cancer survivors and uh, gynecological cancers, so they do a vaginal moisturiser and, uh, yes. and and lubricants. I suggest that people use a good quality one because the mucosa in um, your vagina and in your genital area absorbs products. So a, water, a good quality organic or a good quality water-based lubricant is the closest to your natural lubrication. So if you look at the ingredients on a lot of stuff, especially stuff you buy on the supermarket, please don't do that. Um, <laughs> it's full of petrochemicals and, and parabens and, and glycerin and other nasties, and those things can breed um, bacteria in your body. So be aware of what you're using there, but a lubricant when you're masturbating can help get the ball rolling, shall we say. It feels good, so it makes it easier for you or more comfortable for you or gets you in the mindset, however you want to approach that, to explore further. So do you teach people specifics on exploration? So if somebody is comfortable, um, they just want you know, tips on, you know, or they're not uncomfortable, but they're still not sure, like do they just poke it? Or, <laughs> well, actually, oddly enough, tapping clitoris gently is one is one technique that can that can work. So, I guess you could call See, it. See, can no. poke it. Um, <laughs> um, if somebody is interested in um, talking about that sort of thing, that's definitely a list that we can work through yep. um, and a, a homework that they can be given to take home and uh, practice with. Um, and see what works for them. Like I might give somebody a couple of techniques that they can try, and um, over a cup a week or two, if they if they are good and they do it a couple of times a week, so 20 30 minutes a couple of times a week, incorporated into their self care wider self care program, and they practice those um, techniques and are mindful of those techniques and can sort of take notice of what works for them and what doesn't. 
we can sort of progress to other ones after that and you can build up a little repertoire of clear instructions or clear guidelines or clear techniques that they can actually pass on to their partner saying this one works but doing a circle around my clitoris or going from um seven to uh, one to seven like you think of a face of a clock around your clitoris so 12 is um heading down towards your anus and six is heading up towards your belly button going diagonally across from seven to one or or going the other way whichever way works better for you from so that'd be from five to five to eleven yeah (laughs) i had to think about that (laughs) five to 11 whichever way works better for you that's a really clear communication tool for your partner to say if you imagine a clock here and you move your finger at um, across my clitoris like this from seven to one that's a really clear indication for them as to the action that feels good for you and you can tell them to vary the the intensity or the strength of the the pressure that they're putting on other cues like that can make it really easy for people to communicate with their partner what feels good and then but it it starts with masturbation and it starts with that self-exploration around pleasure and what feels good for you and what doesn't do you encourage the use of different vibrators or anything I like that you changed the wording from should to encourage. Thank you. Um, I don't (laughs) – if people are interested in toys, then there is no issues around using toys. My recommendation would be use your skin-to-skin touch because that gives you that self-awareness that um, toys don't necessarily give you. Toys can sort of be a blur of pleasure and and sensations that it just all happens so quickly that you don't really learn what – what works for you and what doesn't and um but they can they can take pleasure to another level and they can and they can teach you different things that self-touch won't necessarily teach you but if you're going to use toys use good quality body safe toys and follow the like the instructions for use and the care instructions on the packaging don't buy um cheap and nasty toys there's a whole other conversation we could have around that um some toys that are made from cheaper materials can leach um, chemicals and deteriorate over time and your body is going to absorb those. So buy good quality toys and take care of them and follow the instructions if you do. Is there specific brands or anything that you recommend people use? The adult toy industry is growing, has new innovations all the time. I mean, there's a there's a vibrator that's been made by a company, a, a group of women in the US called Lioness. And it's um, it actually gives biofeedback. Really, real 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 time biofeedback. Oh. So actually, you can actually see um, uh, like lubricate. I think I think it does lubrication, but I think it's temperature and uh, vaginal um, contractions and and those sorts of things that it will actually feedback to your phone. Not that I not that I sell their product, but things are changing so quickly and companies bring out new toys i mean uh yes lilo is a good brand um tenga does some good products as well there are other brands as well uh, uh womanizer satisfier there they're, they just lots. yeah, they, yeah. there are lots but um it's just a matter of looking for um you want you want things that are a quality design uh non-porous material so you a good quality body safe um, silicone toys don't harbour um, bacteria that can infect your body. Um, 
and you want to use make sure you use the right lubricant with the right mm. toy so you don't um, don't use a silicon based lubricant with a silicon toy because that'll degrade the silicon over time and, and damage your toy so it, there's a whole um, host of things around that but if you buy something and it's um, you you try it and you have like a tingling or a burning sensation that's not not uh, not a, a pleasurable thing it's uh, feels more chemicalish get rid of it don't use mm. it buy something uh, talk to the public physiotherapist like a public physiotherapist that's comfortable discussing those sorts of things or um, a sexologist or a sex a psychosexual therapist or somebody that works in in those areas that um, can can talk to you talk you through like what's good and what's not um, some sex stores are really good at that I know there's a really good company down in Melbourne that um, has an online shop that was actually started by a psychosexual therapist because he couldn't find stuff that was um, that he that he would recommend to his patients so um, and that's Aphrodite's pleasure so they they are really good and they'll talk to you about things and they don't stock anything that's not not um, good for you hmm. <laughs> or could possibly have bad bad things in it um and like i said i stock some some things and that will slowly grow over time but mine the products that i'm stocking are um very much focused on people with chronic conditions so um i have um a number of clitoral stimulators so people who um, penetrative sex is painful so uh, clitoral stimulators um, from that perspective, good quality lubricants, including one that was designed here in Australia by a pelvic physiotherapist down in Adelaide. Um, and oh, Olive and B. Yes, Olive yes, B. yeah, that's one. I love that one. I also have male masturbators, so there are ways of giving pleasure to your partner if you you don't feel like doing a blowjob or a hand job without any assistance and penetrative sex is painful. There are tools available now that no you can No way. Yes. That yeah. is cool. So and we'll... They don't, well, you still have to do some work, but yeah. they, are, <laughs> they are designed to um, make the process a little bit easier and you can vary, like, the pressure um, around the penis and the suction on the end and some of them are designed to feel more like oral sex and some of them have vulvas on them some of them have other body parts at the beginning so they have a visual component as well and so will you have these on your website at yeah. some point okay yeah well there's a male there's male masturbator up there right now okay. and hopefully there'll be one that's designed to use incorporation with oral sex so you can use it as a as a male as a masturbator but you can also have do oral sex at the same time Um, so are these the kind of things that you that people come to see you for that they talk to you about I have people come and see me to talk about sex in relationships and how to communicate or discrepancies in libido or sexual desire but I try and um, focus my business around redefining pleasure post diagnosis and treatment so for people who are, are have been diagnosed with a chronic condition and when I say chronic condition I'm talking autoimmune pelvic pain um, conditions uh, breast cancer and things along those lines and they have questions about sex or pleasure and how to bring that back into life 
um, again and how to communicate that with their partners. So I sort of go down the road of peace, pleasure, play in the fact that there, there has to be a level of acceptance or, or, or um, peace that comes with um, the changes that have happened because of diagnosis and treatment um, and, um, and then redefining what pleasure is to you as a result of that and then um, working out how to communicate that and how to bring what you learnt about yourself into um, an, an intimate relationship. Um, so I sort of work around those things. I also try and increase um, sexual health literacy. So we, health professionals and doctors aren't always comfortable or don't always have the time to talk about sex. So having a safe place where they can, someone can talk about those things and ask those questions or find out who they should be seeing or talking as to to um, address an issue. So if somebody was to say, come to me and has pain with penetration or pain with um, putting their finger inside their vagina or, or something like that, um, I wouldn't necessarily be recommending that they go and buy this vibrator and they do this or they, or they keep persisting at home with um, self-touch. I'd be suggesting that they see a pelvic physio to have a pelvic floor assessment to work out if there are any issues associated with, with pelvic floor dysfunction and what steps can be taken in order to improve that. And, and then we can go down the road of redefining pleasure um, and, and working out ways of um, bringing that back into their relationship. Do people see you on their own or do they come in as a couple or do you do both? I usually start with individuals and if they want to and their partner's keen to be involved, then I'm happy for them to be a part of it. For a lot of women, it can be a very personal thing and they want to know and, and they don't actually think or, or the way they've communicated with their partner, they think that it's their problem and so I'm happy to work with them to begin with on their own. You, you're not having sex with yourself when you're having sex with your husband or your partner. You're having sex with a, another person and so therefore it becomes... Um, a, 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 a something that needs to be addressed by both people. And where where are your clinics? Do you have one or two? I work out of, um, I share rooms with um, some other allied health professionals at, in Paddington in Brisbane and I also work out of exercise physiologist in Chermside West in Bris North Brisbane and I do online consults as well. Oh, you do? So even, do you do new like can new patients do online consults yeah. oh that is so good to know because I, I was sorry I also do email uh, I call it email coaching so if somebody is a bit nervous about starting a conversation with me they can actually send uh, for a fee they can send me an email with um, questions that they would like to start with and I'll send them back a detailed email um, response uh, and if it's appropriate with some homework that they can that they can try out and, and things like that. And sometimes that's a, a good way for people to be comfortable with the idea of talking about sex or getting starting the conversations. My business actually started with majority online consults okay. and um, it's developed into being more uh, having faith the face-to-face -face component as well. Oh well thank you so much for coming on. Okay.